up. They were our protectors. They gave us life. They were authority in our households. For some, they still hold authority over our lives, even as we are grown. For instance, have you ever wondered when weighing an option or deciding whether to do something, have you ever wondered what would mom or dad think about this? Well, guess what? They still have authority in that. And yes, I think that a lot. What would mom think? If it is or was not just our parents, though, who held authority over us, our educators in school also had authority. We were taught that when we were in school, our teachers were the boss. We listened to them. We respected them. If you played sports, your coach had authority over you. If you're in band or in the choir, the directors had that authority. Even out of school in the work environment, our bosses have or had authority. It does not stop there. We recognize the authority of law enforcement. Many were taught from a young age to respect the police and their authority. Throughout our lives, we have had people in authority, and we were taught to look up to them. And that is what we do with those in authority. We look to them. We look to them for guidance. We look to them for protection. We look to them for mentoring. We also respect them. We respect their decisions. We respect their experiences. We respect their position. We respect them. These are all physical, personal authorities in our lives, and respecting these authorities is a good thing. However, there are more things in the world that are taking on an authority field more than they should, perhaps. Our ideologies, especially political ideologies, are taking on a certain authority in our lives. We follow what our politics tells us to follow or who our politics tells us to follow. They become a model for how we live our life. And that is not a bad thing per se. But it can be when that gets in the way of being in relationship with one another. We also have the ways of the world taking on an authority position in our lives. Perhaps societal expectations become authority. For many, there's a strong desire to look a certain way because that is what society tells us to look. And that, in a way, holds authority over us. Even our devotion to particular sports teams holds a certain authority over us. When our life revolves around our favorite baseball, football, basketball, soccer, or hockey, or whatever team, other parts of our life become less important. For example, I heard about a pastor once in the Bay Area of California who was so obsessed with the 49ers that he would often speed through the services to get home in time to watch kickoff. Now, don't worry. I do love football, but I'm not going to speed through the service to get home to watch my team, mainly because they're bad. <laughs> so sorry to some of you for that. 
when aspects of the world become our ultimate authority, is it inevitable for sin to make its way into a level of authority? There's one authority in our lives, though, that is greater than our politics, greater than our sports teams, the devotion to those, greater than the expectations of the world. And that is God. God is our ultimate authority. And when we live lives like that, when we live lives that show God is our authority, sin cannot become an authority. In our gospel reading today, we see the authority of Jesus on full display. And this account was early on in Jesus' ministry, as well as the early part of the gospel of Mark. We just saw Jesus calling some of his apostles. He found Andrew and Peter, as well as James and John, and called them to follow him. And there are some interesting parallels in these two calling stories, both Sets were brothers. Both sets were fishermen, and both were doing the call, are doing that work. And they were also the first that Jesus called, according to Saint Mark. There's also urgency in these narratives. Both times when calling them, Mark used the word immediately. He immediately called them. And what's more is both sets of brothers immediately dropped what they're doing, fishing, and followed Jesus. This is what St. Mark's gospel is. It's defined by this sense of urgency. There's urgency in Jesus' ministry. There's a sense of urgency in the need to spread the gospel. And there's urgency in Mark's telling of his gospel. And that urgency culminated at the cross. And this urgency is on display in our reading. After calling his disciples, he immediately got to work. Jesus wasted no time in the beginning of his ministry. He got right to work. Now part of what Mark is doing is, again, showing this urgency. The same urgency that his readers, his original readers, were sensing in wanting Jesus to return. However, there are also Old Testament realities Mark is working with. In the Old Testament, when a judge or king is called and anointed to a task by God, he had to go out and prove that calling. Mark began his gospel by proclaiming who Jesus was, the Messiah, the Son of God. What he is doing is showing that. He is showing that by immediately showing the work of Jesus. He does not have time to give the image of Jesus grooming his disciples at this point, nor does he have the time to give a background to the humanity of Christ. Rather, he was proving to his readers that Jesus was the Messiah, and he had a specific mission to spread the good news that led him to the cross. He immediately went to Capernaum, went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and taught. When he taught, the people were amazed. They had never heard a teaching like this. And they would have heard a lot of teaching. Part of the custom in the synagogue would be to read from scripture and different people would come up and teach on that scripture. So they have heard many different teachings. But this one stood out. 
stood out because he taught with authority. They recognized the authority that he had and how it was different than the scribes. Jesus was speaking in ways that left little doubt. He knew the subject of which he was teaching, and it showed not only to the people present, but also the enemies. We see a man with an unclean spirit, and it too recognized exactly who Jesus was. It recognized the authority Jesus had. It even obeyed that authority. He commanded them to come out of the man to which the unclean spirit did. And then we go back to the crowd watching in amazement. They're amazed that this evil spirit obeyed Jesus, that he had authority over all on earth, as well as Satan and his demons. Now notice the break in the stories, as well as the characters. We begin this by hearing Jesus teaching, and the people were filled with amazement by that teaching and the authority that he had. And then we have this little narrative about the unclean spirit and the man. And that unclean spirit is cast out and we go back to the people once again being amazed by something Jesus was doing. Mark told the story of Jesus this way to once again emphasize who he was. In this manner, he was emphasizing his authority. Not the authority of the scribes, not the authority of the leaders at the time, but Jesus' authority. The authority he had over all. The world at this time was trying to steal the authority God had over his people. Rome was trying to take God's authority so that they could hold the authority. Even the leaders of the time in Jerusalem were trying to claim an authority that they could not have. Sin and evil was trying to hold authority over God's people. Satan himself tried to hold the same authority, not only over the people, but tried to claim it over Jesus. Going as far as to have Jesus bow down to Satan and his perceived authority. All of that failed when God sent his son to the world. Jesus broke that false authority that was pulling God's people away from God. And show the, author- the world God's authority once more. And his authority is still over us today. We live in a world where there are many authorities. And some are good. Some we look up to. Some we respect. Some deserve that respect. However, said there are some forces that try to claim a, spirit, a certain authority over us. Then the end pulls us towards sin. Pulling us to despair. Pulling us away from God. When we feel that, when we feel that pull, we must remember that God is our ultimate authority. Even those to those forces that try to sway us and bring us down, God is the authority. And when we remember that, when we place God as our authority, The evil of the world cannot bring us down. When we live lives showing God's authority, we can break the temptations of the world a little easier. 
as your ultimate authority. Not things of this world, not politics of this world, not expectations of this world, not pleasures of this world. Those things will not last. God, however, does. And when God is our ultimate authority, those other things of the world will be in their proper place. And no sin, no division, no despair will separate us from God. God is our authority. Let us live that, remember that, and model that. Amen. Amen. Amen.